This morning, God's word comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. Matthew 25, we are going to begin our reading at verse 14 and then read through verse 30 of this chapter. Matthew 25, beginning at verse 14. What we hear now is God's word. For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, <clears throat> came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you, did not, where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. I invite you to turn once again to the back of your Psalter hymnals, to page 54 and 55 in the back section, as we read together Lord's Day 32. That begins on the bottom half of page 54. I'll read the question. You may respond together with the answer. Question 110. What does God forbid 
in the Eighth Commandment. He forbids not only outright theft and robbery, punishable by law, but in God's sight, theft also includes cheating and swindling our neighbor by schemes made to appear legitimate, such as inaccurate measurements of weight, size, or volume, fraudulent merchandising, counterfeit money, excessive interest, or any other means forbidden by God. In addition, he forbids all greed and pointless squandering of his gifts. Question 111, what does God require of you in this commandment? That I do whatever I can for my neighbor's good, that I treat him as I would like others to treat me, and that I work faithfully so that I may share with those in need. Well, as we continue our study of the law of God, we have come this morning to the eighth commandment, you shall not steal. And as we have seen uh, with the commandments up to this point, I think if I ask the particular question, are there any of us here who are guilty of outright theft and robbery, uh, we could probably answer that question quite easily. Not guilty of outright theft and robbery. But as we have seen with the law of God, it is much more than just a narrow reading of the commandment. The commands have a broader application. It's not just what we do with our hands, but where are our hearts? If I asked you this morning, have any of you struggled with greed, with desiring more than God has given to you? Are any of you here guilty of, of pointlessly squandering what you have received from God, not using it to your full potential? Then we can't answer quite so easily. The commandment is broader than what we might think. It is a commandment, you shall not steal, that deals with the things God has given to us. So that's why we're looking at Matthew 25 to understand this commandment. Because Matthew 25, in verse 14, is about the things God has given to us. Now, because of the word that we translate in that text as talents, this text has, I've heard this text preach, in terms of the actual talents, the abilities God has given to each of us. And that certainly is a secondary application. But the primary application is to things. The parable is about things that the master gives to his servants. Maybe if we translate it this way, to one he gave five bars of gold, to another two bars of gold, to another one one bar of gold, we might see that the focus is on physical, real things that the master gives to his servants. And what do we do with those things God has given to us? It is a parable about the nature of the kingdom of God. Chapter 25 starts, then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. And it gives one story in those first verses. The kingdom of heaven will be like a man, now in verse 14, a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. What is life to be like in the kingdom of God? 
We, we live now as kingdom citizens. What should the character of our life be in relation to the things God has given to us? God, the Master, calls His servants to work for Him, to use the things He has given them to bring glory to Him. And that's what we look at this morning, working for the Master. First we see that the master is very generous in his gifts. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants, entrusted to them his property. He's going to give what he owns to his servants for them to use. He's under no obligation to do this. He chooses to do this. I'm going to give you these things. He will retain the ownership. And we see in the accounting, yeah, these things belong to him yet. He'll retain the ownership. But he will entrust his property to his servants that they might use it to benefit the master. Now, we don't know exactly how much a, a talent is. Maybe some of you have a footnote in your Bible. That my footnote says it's a, a unit of money worth about 20 years' wages for a laborer. We don't know exactly what that was. It was a lot of money. We're not talking about 100 bucks or 1,000 bucks. We're talking about more like a million dollars that the master is entrusting. He is gracious. He is generous. He gives extravagantly to his servants, not miserly. God gives to them in abundance, that they might use it for Him. God does the same with us today. Everything we have comes from Him. He provides for us the things of this life. Not miserly, but He provides abundantly. And those things He gives to us do come from Him. And in a real sense, God retains the ownership. He is the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Everything belongs to Him. But He gives it to us that we might use it for Him. He gives us gifts to be used in the service of the Master. Everything that I call mine my car, my home, my books, everything I call mine, really is God's. He owned it to begin with. He gives it to me to use, but he retains the ownership. I am a steward of these things, a steward of these gifts. As these servants were stewards of the gifts of the master, he gave them abundantly, he gave them lavishly, but he retained the ownership that they might use it for him. And when I remind myself that everything I have ultimately is not my own, but belongs to God, it helps me against the tendency toward greed. Our confession says, what's, what's forbidden? All greed. We are forbidden to have all greed in the Eighth Commandment. When I remember that everything I have is a gift. Everything I have comes from God. None of it do I really own. Then why would I complain? God, God gives it to me. It's all a gift. I, I need to to hold on to the things of this life very loosely because they really are not mine at all. They belong to the Master. 
They belong to our Father in heaven. It all belongs to Him, and He graciously gives to us. He, he gives those gifts according to what He knows is best. Look at verse 15. To one He gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to His ability. He gave them in proportion to what He knew they could handle. He knew His servants. He did not just say, okay, this is my estate. I'm going to divide it up absolutely evenly, uh, one-third for each of you. Now go at it. God knew them. The Master knew them. He knew their abilities, and He gave them according to their ability. Maybe sometimes if I, if I wonder, why is it God has not uh, given more to me? Perhaps it's because he knew I would not handle it well. He has given in proportion to my ability. If we begin to wonder, why am I not receiving more physical things, physical blessings from God? We have to answer, ask the question, what are we doing right now with the gifts God has given to us? What are we doing right now with what He has provided? I'm a huge fan of the, uh, of the TV show Survivor. I love the Survivor reality show. I would love to go on Survivor sometime. I'd probably get voted out the first tribal council, but I would love to go on Survivor because I think, what would it be? If you, those, those of you who don't know, it's a reality show, and at the end, you win a million dollars. If you win this thing, you win a million dollars. I think, wow. That would be really cool to win a million dollars. Or maybe you think, you know, maybe uh, when, when the lottery in the state gets so huge, you know, it's 10 million or whatever it is. What, what if I won 10 million dollars? What would I do? You know, I'd be the first thing that comes to mind. I'd quit my job. I would just quit my job. Um, so perhaps that's why I haven't won yet. Um, and I begin to think in a very self-serving way. What would I do if I all of a sudden had all that money? And, and maybe in, in our more pious moments, we might say, uh, well, look at how much we could give away. If, if, if we won $10 million, think of how much money we could give away to, to charities that are really deserving and really needy. We could give so much away. And while it's easy to begin to think in those terms, God doesn't call us to be faithful with what He has not given to us. He calls us to be faithful with what He has given to us. Yes, if we had $10 million, I suppose we could give a lot away. But that's not, that's not God's calling to us, to be faithful in what He has not given. What are we doing with what He has given? Whether He's given us a lot, or whether He's given us a little, whether we have five bars of gold or two bars of gold or one bar of gold, according to our ability, God has gifted us. And according to our ability, He calls us to work for Him, to work for the Master, to be profitable in His service. There's a, there's a perfect proportionality. God knows us, knows what we can handle, 
And, and if we begin to say, why hasn't God given me, wo- me more? We have to ask the question, what am I doing right now? Not if I won the million dollars, not if I won the $10 million. What am I doing right now with what God has provided? He doesn't call us to be faithful with what we don't have. He calls us to be faithful with what we do have. And these servants, they had a wonderful opportunity They had a wonderful opportunity, which was also their obligation, to work for their master. And and we see that some of them start right away. Verse 16. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. We get the same sense for the second one. He who had two talents made two talents more. They went at once and used the things they had been given in the service of their master. They didn't wait but at once went out to use the gifts, the money, the gold he had given to them. It is easy for us when we think about our giving to God to make it a matter of something we'll do later. After. After I get out of college, then I'll really start being serious about my giving to God. Because during college, I really don't have anything. Well, we have a little. Whether we have a little or a lot, God calls us to be faithful. Or after I get married, then I'll really get serious about my giving to God from all He has given to me. Maybe it's after I finally get out of debt, then I'll be serious about my giving to God. After I'm done paying Christian school tuition, after my house is paid off, after my retirement accounts are fully funded, after, after, after. And we put off our faithfulness. God calls us today, right now, to be faithful with the gifts, the possessions He has given. Our, um, our checkbooks are a good indication of where our heart is at. That we are profitable with what God has given to us. What's forbidden in the Eighth Commandment? Not only all greed, but the pointless squandering of His gifts. Squandering the possessions, squandering the things God has given. If we, if we look at our checkbook registers, they are a reflection of what is in our heart. Are we seeing the things of God put first? That the first check we write during the month is a check for our tithe. Or do we pay the electric and the gas and the mortgage and the tuition, and if there's anything left over, and we give it to Him. God calls us to put Him first. He has given us these things. And the first check we write is to acknowledge that and return that proportion unto Him. Whether we receive a lot, five. Whether we receive middle, two. Even whether we receive one. Whether, whatever God has given to us. In whatever stage of life we are. Because we know life changes. Our needs change. Our expenses change. Whatever stage of life we are now, Don't wait till later, till I'm married, till my kids grow up, till they're through college, till all these, don't wait till later. God calls us today to be faithful to him. The man went at once and used the master's money, traded with it. Two of them, 
recognize the opportunity. Two of them recognized the obligation. And then there was the wicked servant, verse 19. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The one that received five said, here, master, there's five more. And the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. The one who had given two says, master, you gave me two, and I've got two more. And the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 21, 24. He also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed, so I was afraid. I went, I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. The wicked servant, first of all, lies about his master makes him seem miserly. He's not miserly. He's given graciously, abundantly to his servants. This, this last servant was simply unwilling. He was wicked. He was lazy. He was slothful. Unwilling to recognize the master had entrusted him with a thing. Things to be used for the master's benefit. Everything we have, we have received from our God. Some have received more, some have received less. God warns us against pointlessly squandering these His gifts. Are we today being faithful in our obligation to use the things God has given to us in his service, or have we taken those things and hoarded them for ourselves, as it were, hiding them in the ground, not using them for God's glory, not using them for the advancement of his kingdom, but using them simply for ourselves, being too lazy to do anything for our master. For, for this last servant, there is no commendation, there is only condemnation. What do we read? The master says, you wicked, slothful servant. Oh, you think that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered seed. Well, then at least you could have gotten interest on my money. Verse 28, so take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. I think that's the most frightening part of this parable for me. Even what he has will be taken away. If we are not diligent with the things God has given to us, if we are not diligent in honoring him, in using them for his service, if we are self-serving, if we are lazy, if we are slothful, even that which we have may be taken away. Have we been faithful with what God has given to us? 
He has blessed us, whether with a lot or whether with a little. He has blessed us today. And so we must respond to him today. Respond to him in appropriate, in appropriate way with the gifts, the things he has provided. It's a, it's a story, certainly initially, about the physical things God has given to us, his people. And while there is an application to the, the actual talents and gifts God has given to us, I would suggest there is also another application to this story. It's a story about the kingdom and the advancement of the kingdom. How does the kingdom advance? The kingdom advances through the means of the word of the gospel. We have received a greater gift, greater than any physical possession. We have received the knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A knowledge that says to everyone who is fallen, to everyone who is a sinner, when we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. It is that same God who calls you this morning to put your trust in Him, the knowledge of the glory of the gospel, this glorious gift. And for all who embrace Jesus Christ, he will, we will be forgiven and know the glories of belonging to the kingdom. We have received that. We have received that possession. What have we done with this gift? Have we taken this most glorious of all gifts God could give, the knowledge of eternal life in Him, and have we buried it in the ground? Or has God, God worked in us by His Spirit that we open our mouth to tell what we know, to share this, to bring glory unto Him? to share this glorious gospel with our children, teaching them the truths of the faith, to share it with our neighbors, to share it with our co-workers, to share it with our classmates, and the abundance of God's kingdom grows and grows and grows. God calls us to be faithful with the things He's provided, but also with this most glorious gift, the gift of the knowledge of salvation. Now some, some have received five of this gift. Some have have minds that can uh, uh, think through uh, philosophical arguments for the nature of God, and they can, they can answer all the deep questions. Some, some have a more moderate knowledge. For some of us, our knowledge of the gospel is Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Whatever God has given to us, whether a lot, and we can define reformed apologetics, or we can simply say, Jesus, save me from my sins. We are called to be faithful with this gift. We have an obligation to our God. He has revealed the truth to us. We have been brought in. We are recipients of all these blessings. What have we done? Have we worked in the service of our Master? The Eighth Commandment is a commandment that calls us to faithfulness. First of all and foremost, faithfulness with our things. What we do with our things, with our money, will be a reflection of what is in our heart. But beyond that, calls us to be faithful with this greatest gift, this most, most prized possession, that which is worth more than all the gold in the world. The glories of the gospel. Have we been faithful in sharing this, or have we pointlessly squandered the gifts of God. 
Our confession says what is required in the Eighth Commandment, that I work faithfully, that I may share with those who are in need. That means physical need, but the deepest need of the world around us is the need of the gospel. Oh, might God use us that we might be faithful, faithful workers for the master. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we do acknowledge you as the giver of all good gifts. And as we sit here this morning, O oh God, in comfort, in ease, well-dressed, we recognize you have been so abundant in the physical gifts you have provided to us. Lord God, if we have been negligent in using these things in your service, if we have squandered these gifts, we pray you would forgive us. We pray you would change our hearts, move our hearts, hearts toward a greater desire to use everything you have given in your service, working for you. And Lord God, even more so, if we have squandered the gift of the knowledge of the gospel, if we've withheld this from our children, from those around us, we ask you would forgive us. You would open our hearts, you would open our mouths to declare the glory of the truth that we know to a world which is hurting, a world which needs Jesus Christ. Lord God, in all of these things, make us your faithful servant. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.